Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avton. Ten days before Pesach on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon, and let's get right into it. <clears throat> you ask people what the theme of Pesach is. What's the message? Say Pesach in one word. And chances are you'll hear a word like freedom, liberation, chayrut, letting go. So the question we have to ask ourselves every year, based on where our life circumstances are at that time, is what do I need freedom from and what do I need freedom to? In other words, where am I running away from and what am I running away, what am I running towards? Now, I'd imagine if that question would be asked, let's say, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 50 years ago, maybe. The question would be um, a much easier one to answer because usually, at least in the perception of the individual, the enemy was someone or something outside of them. So I need freedom from the Kazakhs. I need freedom from the anti-Semite. I need freedom from my financial situation. I need freedom from danger, hurt. And yet, despite the fact that many of us think we live in a difficult time, the reality is that for the first time in history, the biggest threat to our own well-being is nothing outside of us. The biggest threat to our own well-being is ourselves. And it's across various studies, whether it is that more people die today from overeating than undereating. Now, undereating starvation very often is a problem outside us. Overeating is totally our problem. We decide how much food to put into our mouth. Nobody else does. No matter how many you know, fast food restaurants we drive by, we're the ones that decide to go in or not. Whether it is that suicide is a bigger killer in Western countries than terrorism and car accidents and major illnesses combined. Whether it is that many of us are seeing our relationships dissolve and our emotional well-being dissolve, and very often it's not due to a sickness, whether it's mental illness or others or addictions, which are sometimes beyond our control. Nine out of ten times it's within our control. For the first time in history, the human being faces a stark reality, and that is that the greatest threat to themselves is themselves. And the most important freedom they need is the freedom from the dangerous and dark part of themselves. And that's a very, very hard concept to process because many of us, whether it is we hear stories as young people or whether it is just the way our brain works in order to feel more comfortable – We always see good and bad as a war outside of us. In other words, am I going to choose to go towards the bad or am I going to choose to go towards the good? Um, Or what can bad do to me? What can good do to me? But rarely do we appreciate that the greatest battle between good and evil is happening within us. It's happening in how we are dealing with ourselves. The greatest slave master is 
not some Egyptian with a weird beard or, or some just dingy looking character that, you know, the boogie monster in the movie. The greatest struggle we're fighting with is the devil within, is the Yetzirah, is the, is our lack of impulse control, our anger, our self-pity, our sense of entitlement and expectation and whatever else is getting in our way. Those are our biggest enemies. So the challenge is then to stop looking outside of ourselves and sit there looking for a foreign enemy and someone to hate, but rather to look inward and ask myself what I need to change. Now, it's interesting. Today is Election Day in Israel, and elections in South Africa are boiling over. It's just a few weeks away. And elections, although in many ways they should be what do people want for themselves and asking themselves what the real value of this country is and what what is the soul of this, you know, beautiful state, often it becomes about what we're not and fighting against and creating real or imaginary enemies outside us. If you vote for that party, the whole country is going to go up in smoke. If you vote to us, everything's going to be saved. If you do that, et cetera, et cetera. This whole mind game of evil being out there as long as you reach out and you vote for the right party, then you're saving the state from itself. And yes, elections are important, absolutely. And voting is tremendously important in a free democracy but not nearly as important as the soul of a country is and not nearly as important as the inner battles that each citizen of the country fights in order to be a better person. Rarely will a society collapse due to a bad election. Usually a society collapses due to a lack of value system, a lack of soul, forgetting why they are even a country in the first place. It might manifest itself, itself in bad choices at election day, but election days are never the starting point of a demise. They're often just the tipping point of where things have achieved, have reached due to hurt in society. So when people are surprised, well, how do radical parties arise out of nowhere? Nothing rises out of nowhere. What happens is that people lose their soul and their moral compass and eventually is one genius who knows how to capitalize on people's fears and turns that into a political party. But the enemy is not out there. The enemy is inside. The enemy is not a person or a being or a temptation. It's within us, our own inner weaknesses. And the only way we can overcome and the only way we can find freedom is by willing to acknowledge, by be willing to face up and look in the mirror and say, how am I self-sabotaging? What am I doing to myself to hurt? Where am I going wrong? Where am I allowing temptation to take me over? Where am I allowing impulse? Where am I allowing bad habits? Where am I allowing bad paradigms to take over my life? Then, and only then I could sit there asking the next question, that is, and how do I break free? But if I see the enemy as something outside of me that I have no control, first of all, it's false. But second of all, you can't break free from an enemy outside. If the enemy is outside of us, how are we supposed to break free? 
But if the enemy is within, then we can overcome our own enemy. And each and every one of us has an enemy within. Uh, un- unless we're a tzaddik, unless we're an absolutely righteous individual, in the words of the Tanya, that have destroyed our evil inclination and absolutely have a hollow heart of evil, unless we're one of those, each and every one of us has struggles. No matter how much we want to cover over them, no matter how much we're in denial of them, they are there. We have parts of our personality that are not perfected and it is our journey in our life to perfect them. And Pesach comes and tells us, break free. Don't break free of some imaginary chain. Look inside yourself and ask yourself, which weakness, which unhealthy perspective, which unhealthy emotion is hindering the growth that you can achieve and the growth that God put us in the world for? And when we find it, take it and break free. But it's not about looking out there. It's not about looking with a magnifying glass to the world outside. Rather, it's looking with a strong mirror inside and ask myself one question. What is holding me back? What do I need to break free? And when will I do it? This is 101.9 Chai FM. I want to play with you, uh, play for you now a beautiful song called Tochoro Tzafa by one of the most popular singers in Israel. His name is Yishai Rivo here on 101.9 Chai FM. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Apsen, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul. Pesach, that's the theme, that's the energy, that's what we're talking about, freedom. The paro of modern day times is not a strange looking character sitting on a fancy throne, a taskmaster. The paro within us is the paro of the day. We, each and every one of us, has a paro. We have this being inside of us that's trying to own us and trying to make us a slave to it. One of the revolutionary ideas, which today is not even seen as revolutionary, but one of the great revolutionary ideas of Judaism is the idea of a Yetzer Tov, Yetzer Hara, the idea that we have an inner battle within us, that we are both beautiful, good, and we have a potential for evil, and those two voices are within us. They are two impulses, they are two agendas. In the words of the Tanya, there are even more than that. They're like two kings that are fighting for dominion over our consciousness. They are fighting to control the way we think, they are fighting to control the way we feel, and they're fighting to control what we do and what we say. That is, it's a full-on conquest. And these two kings have very different agendas. King number one, let's call it the power within, their agenda is No mindfulness, no godliness, no consciousness, no faith, just impulse, just pleasure, just materialism, just allow yourself to feel whatever you feel at the moment, allow yourself to do whatever your impulse tells you, no control, no self-discipline, just run wild like an animal in the wild. And that is why, in the words of the Tanya, this soul is called the Nefesh Habahamit, an animal soul. What, why is it called animal? Not in being derogatory to animals, but rather just like animals live. That's their whole mechanism of life. And it's not a critique, but that's the way they live, is of impulse. So to this being, this soul within us is just craving another piece of meat, another impulse, another act of pleasure, another act of convenience, another act of cowardice, whatever is comfortable at the moment. 
versus the other soul, the never shall kiss, the godly soul, which calls upon us to rise to the occasion, to be bigger, to be mindful, to be aware, to have our mind control our heart rather than our heart control our mind, to be focused, to be totally in control of oneself, to be control of what we think, control of what we feel, control of what we say, and control of what we do, to fully control our consciousness and to serve a higher power, to serve God, to be able to give ourselves and whatever we have, our talents and our whole being, over to a greater being. And this war is constant, and we never win it. Every single day we wake up and the battle is there again. Will we allow the king of impulse and convenience to take over, or will we allow the king of self-discipline and mindful and faith to take over? And Pari is always there. As is, let's just use the other, the antithesis, the Moshe. Each and every one of us every day is choosing between Paroi and Moshe. The Paro is the one that's stubborn and close-minded and like a petty way. You think about it. Paro is getting clap after clap. He's getting hit over and over again by plagues by signs that show him that it's time to let the Jews go. And his stubbornness does not allow him, and he just continues to dig himself into his own pit, into his own cesspool. And in many ways, it's easy to laugh, but in many ways, we're we're very much the same. There's a part of us, that petty part within us, that is very similar, where we continue to get signs, where we continue to self-destruct, and we can't give in, whether it's the bottle whether it's our phones, whether it's any addiction, weakness, or lack of impulse control that we have that we struggle to overcome, even though we know it doesn't make us happy, even though last time we we had an anger episode, even though last time we blew up and said stupid, pathetic things, it undermined our relationships, there we are, 48 hours later, losing our temper again. And you ask yourself, one second... Why? Don't you realize that it's a plague? Don't you realize, and I'm, again, you, I'm not saying you as in the other person, I'm saying me as in all of us. Don't we realize that it's undermining? Don't we realize that it's self-sabotaging, that it's destructive, that coming into a home with anger is absolutely disastrous? In the words of the Talmud, it actually eats up. It's a worm in the home. Don't we realize that our lack of impulse control to be able to being in control of our phones rather than our phone control of us is good for us. That having another drink on a regular afternoon is not good for us. Having another cigarette is not good. Whatever we are struggling with. And yet there we are, so stubborn. Over and over and over again. I remember hearing the story, I think Rabbi Tatch shares a story of a certain professor who was giving lectures on lungs and and the danger of smoking and by that time he had already lost some of his limbs, one of his legs and one of his arms due to smoking and there he is giving a passionate speech about it and literally the moment he finishes the speech he takes a cigarette knowing that he's the great lecturer against it and knowing that he's already lost limbs due to the terrible after effects of smoking and that's an extreme example of something that we can all 
find in some way within us, and that is that stubbornness to continue walking down the same road that we've always walked, even though we always fall into the same pit. I remember a poem I once heard, which pretty much the concept was the man walked down the street, fell into the pit. The next day, the man walked into the street, fell into the pit. The third day, the man decided to walk around the pit. He fell into the pit anyway. And the fourth day, he finally decided to walk a different street. How many times do we walk down the same road? The same hole, we know it's waiting there, and there we are. We set ourselves up, we put ourselves, whether it's a social situations that we're going to have peer pressure, whether it's at moments of weakness, we're tired, we're irritated, and we put ourselves in compromising situations that can undermine us, and comes Moshe and says, why? Why be a paro? Paro, just relax. Don't be so stubborn. Don't walk into the same situation over and over. You don't have to lock yourself in a tiny little prison. In a tiny little prison. You don't have to lock yourself. You don't have to commit to a very narrow way of doing things. There are other approaches. You can overcome this if you're only willing to take a different road. So as we read the Pesach story and we sit on the Haggadah and we're analyzing and we're reading that Pari was a stubborn fellow and everyone laughs and says, what kind of fool was he that he was so stubborn even after locusts and after hail and wild animals and pestilence and everything? Why is he being so stubborn? But the question is not why he, it's why me. Because again, as we mentioned earlier, the Pari of today is within us. The greatest challenges the greatest underminer of our lives in today's day and age is us it's no longer that terrible totalitarian regime most of society today lives in democracies albeit not perfect democracies but compared to what our ancestors lived in we live in paradise and therefore for the first times our generation maybe the generation before is dealing with a reality that we are our biggest threat And we are our biggest salvation, that it's our attitudes that build us or destroy us. Marriages are collapsing, and we cannot blame anyone else other than ourselves, our societal issues, our perspectives, whether, whether it is what we walk in to marriage, what expectations we walk in, whether it is the fact that either one or both of the, of the spouses are dealing with emotional stuff that they haven't solved, bad habits, bad anger, etc. But again, those are all self-inflicted. I'm not saying that, you know, if my spouse treats me bad, it's my fault. But I'm saying it's their fault. It's their human creation. It's, it's us creating it for us. We are creating so much hurt for ourselves. Oh, yes, we love looking and saying, oh, gosh, there's the ISIS out there. There's the radical political party out there. Those are the threats. There's the violence out there. Yes, but regardless of all the violence, and unfortunately there is, more people are being hurt by the lack of their own character strength than by a a wild beast of a, a villain breaking into their home and causing them hurt. The greatest threat is not a break-in. The greatest threat is not a wild, crazy political party taking over society. The greatest threat is not corruption. And these things are threats. The greatest threat is the lives, whether we will be able to build 
healthy or unhealthy lives for ourselves. Whether our kids will grow up in a healthy environment or not has very little to do with the fear-mongering outside. It has to do with the home we build. Is it a loving home? Is it a respectful home? Is it a home based on values? And those things have nothing to do with the outside. Proof is that as a nation, we've managed to build beautiful homes even in the craziest societies, in the most dangerous of societies. We managed to build beautiful, authentic Jewish homes. Why? Because we always knew that no matter what the enemy outside says, we have the power within ourselves to build something beautiful if we're willing to overcome the enemy within, if we're willing to overcome our impulse for fear, our impulse for feeling sorry for oneself, self-pity, our impulse for anger, our impulse for moral weakness, for being part of the herd. Those are the things that will determine the quality of our life so much more than those outside issues. Again, I am not saying we mustn't evolve ourselves with outside issues. We must. We must be people of the world, and we must try to solve whatever we can. But in no way may we, must we fool ourselves to think that the biggest threats are out there. We are our own biggest threat. Whether it is the high rate of suicide growing within the community, the high rate of lonely people, the amount of people in Western societies and in our very own community you feel lonely and not care for. Unmotivated, uninspired. The tremendous amount of unhealthy eating, unhealthy sleeping, unhealthy value systems, all these things which we cannot throw on an outside enemy. No one's forcing me to eat 18 pieces of cake. And no one's forcing me not to exercise. And no one's forcing me not to spend time learning Torah so that I could build a healthier value system. We're not sitting in ancient Greece that if you were caught learning Torah, you were stoned or or hung. No. No one's holding us back from learning as much as we want and building the healthiest, most beautiful value system. No one's holding us up from having quality, nice conversations with our spouse and with our kids. Nobody's holding us up. So why are we so held up? Why is it that when we, we come across, the, when we come again to Pesach and we look at the stats of how many divorces there are in the, our community and how many suicides there are in the community and how many loneliness there is in the community and how much sadness there is in the community. It just seems to go up. It is not the cause of outside influences because as a nation we've had much worse outside influences. And because, again, the outside influences don't determine our state of mind. We determine it alone. And we have to ask ourselves, am I walking into this Pesach in a better state of mind than last year? Is my life healthier? Have I mended relationships? Have I made myself a less jealous, a less vengeful, less petty, less materialistic individual, even a drop less? Because those are the stuff that scream out paro. Those are the parts that sit there saying, I will not let you go. Those part of us that don't allow us to, that we think don't allow us to break out. The anger that says, I'll never let go of you. You will be an angry, 
vengeful character forever. You'll be a self-pitying character forever. And Moshe screaming and saying, let my people go. Just let go. Break out. You don't have to be so pessimistic. You don't have to be so negative. You don't have to be so petty. You can forgive. You can love. No, 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 I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Let's not be that stubborn paro. Let's not be with our nose up in mud, still screaming and saying, no, 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 I've been through nine plagues, but I still don't believe there's a God. I still don't believe in a value system. I still don't want to let my people go. We don't need that in our lives. Why must we wait until we see the unraveling of our relationships and our, you know, our inner peace to understand that the, some of the roads we've taken are undermining us? Let's have the courage now to just stand up and say, I don't want this. It's not healthy for me. This isn't good. This is self-sabotaging. I know that, you know, drinking with my buddies is fun, but I don't want to drink. I know that spending my whole day on the phone is, is fun, but I don't want to. I know that avoiding tough conversations with my loved ones is convenient, but I want to have a deeper relationship and just step into the discomfort, step into the desert. Yes, the desert is scary and barren, and who will watch over us? But a miracle happens. The second you step into the desert, clouds surround you, pillars of fire surround you, manna falls from heaven. All we need to do is to step out of our own Egypt and step into the desert, and we discover a God standing there with open arms and an embrace and saying, Here, come, my child. It's much more beautiful here. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Rabbi Levi Aftson. And freedom, we're talking about this ability of stepping out of our own inner Egypt and stepping out into a desert and finding that there's a God, God Hashem is waiting for their waiting there to embrace us with clouds, with manna, with water, with whatever we need. Interesting. One of the struggles that I find that for myself and many people around me that we struggle the most is our inability to let go and believe. Believe in God. Believe that God knows what he's doing. You know, especially when things become unsettled in a country, in a society, when people go through difficulties, the relationship is is sore, um, their financial situation is difficult, they look out there and they're just uncomfortable we struggle with emunah, we struggle with faith and bitachon and trust that everything's going to be okay. And we see it when the Jewish people came out of Egypt and they entered the desert. One of the things that they really struggled with was, we're hungry. And God says, one second, but here's manna. We're hungry for meat, but here's meat. We need water. Here's water. In other words, everything was being taken care of, but people were always terrified and afraid and always kvetching. They were uncomfortable relying for God as they say so many times and we mentioned last week on the show we remember the fish in Egypt we remember the convenience of slavery we remember the predictability of slavery and we're very uncomfortable with the unpredictability of living in a desert under God's mercy but that's the importance of faith to be able to walk out of the comfort of Egypt and walk into the discomfort and unpredictability of freedom Many of us find ourselves very comfortable being afraid. I know that sounds 
counterintuitive, but it is. It's in a way comfortable to be pessimistic. As one pessimist one time told me, he says, listen, it's always good to be pessimistic. Because if it turns out bad, you were right. If it turns out great, wonderful. You can't lose. So there's this natural tendency that many of us have, and that is to be morbid. Oh, this election, I'm telling you, the 2019 election is going to be terrible. I've been here in this country for almost close to 10 years and been through a few various local and general election cycles, and pretty much every single prediction I've ever heard turns out false. But you have the same prediction. I know that election didn't turn out so bad, but I'm telling you, this election is going to be terrible. I'm telling you, mark my words. I know what I'm talking about. How do you know what you're talking about? Are you a prophet? What do you know that I don't know? How many, you know, you read all the articles? So what? But but we're almost comfortable being afraid, comfortable being doomsday-sayer. I'm telling you, this country is going up in smoke. I'm telling you, society, it's never been this crazy. I'm te- like, the West is losing its marbles. It's, it's the worst I've ever been, I've, I've ever lived through. Of course, because you forget everything you've lived through till now. Was the Cold War any better? Was 9-11 better? No, 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 no. But, but you know what I mean. You know what? No, I don't know what you mean. Why is it so comfortable to to sell a narrative of pessimism and negativity and just oh, the whole world's caving in? Tell you, it's the crazy. It's, it's just unbelievable. Craig, it's unbelievable. The world is, is losing its mind. Really? Really? Compared to when? When was the world sane compared to today insanity? It's not freedom to live in fear. It's not freedom to be pessimistic, even though it's comfortable. And again, it is very comfortable to be in fear because it almost feels like I'm in control. I know it's going to be terrible, but I know I know how terrible it's going to be instead of being a little lighter and saying, you know what, might be bad, but it might also turn out to be good. Not being in denial, not advocating naivete, but let's be honest, nine out of ten times our worst case predictions don't play out anyway. And the other the one out of ten, it's usually not the worst prediction that we thought. It's a totally different thing that happens that we could have never imagined. So why are we holding on so desperately to the convenience of negativity? Do you do we honestly think coming into a home where dad and mom are just negative and every Friday night table is the same pathetic conversation? How bad is the world? How bad is the country? Should we emigrate? There's nowhere to emigrate to. The world's going crazy. How in the world is a kid supposed to grow up with a sense of confidence and freedom to chart their own courses and and make their own choices when all they've heard from the youngest age is how bad and how terrible life is? And I'm telling you, it's the worst time. How often do I hear it? I'm so glad I'm not your age, Rabbi, you know, because, you know, you're, you're half my age. And if I had to live in today's times, I would go out of my mind. Relax. You would have been just fine. The past wasn't as rosy as we'd like to imagine, and the present isn't as terrible as we'd like to imagine. Freedom is to just live a lighter life, that our homes should be light and, and calm and beautiful and loving and our Friday night tables, our meal, our conversations around the table is not about negativity and pessimism, but rather values and interesting debate and conversation and faith and and history and stories and stories of faith. That's what builds free society. Free societies are built on conversations and stories, not on fear-mongering. You know what fear-mongering does? It creates terrorists. 
it creates fearful characters that are looking for somebody to blame. Whether you, you look at a lot of what's going on in various Western countries and radicalism, it's because people are being told that life is worse than it actually is, and therefore they are creating extreme blame games and extreme parties and extreme ideas to surf, allowing them to surface. Instead of saying, relax, just relax. Remembering the story, let's go. That's why we sit by at the Pesach Seder and we say, let's remind ourselves, Avanimayinu, we were slaves and there was Laban and there was Pharaoh and there was other characters who were there to destroy us and we managed to overcome them. And it's that faith that kept us going and even though there's constantly enemies that want to undermine us, Hashem will help us. The Pesach Seder is a journey in reaffirming our faith and reattaching ourselves to serenity. To not sit the whole night and just say negativity. To celebrate. Yes, we eat a little maror to focus on the bitter times that we were through. But most of the night we're eating great food. What what depends if you'd consider Pesach uh, spiceless food to be great. But the point is, you're not eating maror. You're eating fish and soup and some of you are eating knedlach and meat. And if you're Sephardi, you're eating rice. You're having a lavish meal. You're not sitting the whole Pesach night saying boo-hoo. What a miserable history. Shame on us. No. The Pesach Seder celebrates freedom. It just gives a token towards slavery. But its focus is freedom because we don't believe in being enslaved. We don't believe in telling the story of slavery just for the sake of staying negative. We say the story of slavery just to remind ourselves that we broke free. It's a night of freedom. Hashata b'nei chorin. Now we are free. And when we sit around our Pesach Seder, we have to ask ourselves, is the energy around this table, is the energy in this space one of self-pity, negativity, cynicism, or one of lightness, freedom, and joy? This is 101.9 Chai FM here on Soul to Soul. Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Yafsin wrapping up the show. It's only 10 days before Pesach. Pesach starts Friday night a week. Baruch Hashem. Not something to dread, something to embrace. By hook or by crook, we'll make it through. We will make it through to Pesach and our houses will be clean, please God, or our hotel's rooms will be clean. I will be able to lock up our house and just move out. And we will have a wonderful Pesach Seder. We'll sit around the table and we'll say the story of slavery and we'll say the story of freedom. We will celebrate, we will commemorate, and we will commit to have a freer year. A year that's lighter, a year that's cheirut, that's true free and freedom within us. We will find a paro inside of us that seems to undermine everything that we want to do. And we'll say, no more. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be resentful. I know my brother stole me from my inheritance 25 years ago. I don't want to hold him. I don't want him to have such a hold on me. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to be hateful. I want to forgive. I want to love. I want to be able to move past maybe some of the you know hurtful things that were said in the relationship. I want to move on. I want to build something beautiful. I want to. Let's do it. I don't want to wallow in self-pity. I don't want to wallow in resentment. I want to break free. That is what Pesach tells us and calls upon us. Why? Lock ourselves up in 
Egypt's of our own choice. The word Mitzrayim, the rabbis translate as Mitzarim, boundaries, inner jail, locking ourselves in our own Mitzrayim. Why? Why should we put ourselves in our own cage? Why should we inhibit our own voice and our own potential and our own ca- capacity for love and forgiveness? Let's not underestimate. We are much greater than we think we are. We can forgive. No matter how much we think we can't, we can. No matter how much we think that we cannot love that individual, our parent, our spouse, our child, we can. We can do so much better because we have that incredible gift of freedom that God implanted into each and every one of us ever since that original Pesach over 3,300 years ago. We can break out. We must break out. 3,331 years ago, we stood at the gate of Egypt and we walked out free. This year, let's look back at our Egypt and be able to walk out of it freely. Wishing you and yours a happy Pesach, a meaningful Seder, a meaningful, wonderful time, and may we all have the courage to step into the freedom of our lives. The last few seats are available for the S-A-J-B-E, B-D. Great debate on Thursday, the 11th of April at 1.30 p.m. at the Cyril Harris Community Center. Renowned author and journalist Mandy Weiner will pose pertinent questions to the leaders of Thrive, five prominent political parties on the night. Seating is limited, but don't despair. The event will also be broadcast live at High FM from 7 p.m. Details of the event can be found at the on the S-A-J-B-D social media pages and on their website www.sajbd.org 101.9 Chai FM Have a great week